Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me on his lonesome this week to break down all the action, all the news, all the gossip coming out of the code is my good mate, Clint. No 60s this week. He's on uh, hiatus on personal leave. We'll give him a pass. Uh, he didn't have to go to the judiciary, thankfully, unlike Mike Sebo. <laughs> <laughs> but Clint, uh, we've, we've, we've had some uh, hot and heavy weather with all the downpours and whatnot going, going around. But how are you holding up amidst all of it? Mate, to be honest, I'm absolutely fantastic. Um, I've... Had a beautiful workout this morning. I rolled into the into the workday uh, with plenty of energy. I came home at a beautiful steak dinner um, with some uh, fries that I cut myself from fresh potatoes. Mm-mm. I'm coming to this show with you. I'm feeling really, really good. Uh, your beauty. Setting up for a big show, even if it's just the two of us. So hopefully you guys can put up for us yapping around for uh, the better part <laughs> of it, better part of an hour. <laughs> and before we start the yapping, uh, we'll keep it serious. Quick shout out to the sponsors of the show. You know them. Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellon, and Parramatta. 60s does a better job uh, spooking them than I do, but we sincerely thank them for what they do for us and the podcast. Mm-hmm. And on that note, Quint, let's get right into it. News team, assemble! No better place to start this week than a weekend recap. I know 60s and I had already done the uh, Instant Reaction podcast, but I am keen to hear from you, Quint, what were your takeaways from the final game of the preseason Challenge Cup, the Eels versus the Titans, 5 o'clock p.m. up at North Ipswich Reserve, the Blue and Gold prevailing 26-16. to 16. Uh, A couple of things to talk about in terms of uh, injuries and suspension, obviously, but in terms of the actual flow of the game, what did you like? Uh, what do you want to see more of from the Eels and uh, who caught your eyes? Look, I thought it was a really, really tidy performance. Um, you know, the the thing that naturally caught my eyes was um, obviously our spine. Uh, they looked like they hadn't missed a beat. Um, I, I was, uh, I wouldn't say worried about how Clint Gutherson would come back, but um, to be honest, he didn't. He speaking of not missing a beat, you know, um, the King didn't look like uh, he had, he had even had off season surgery, let alone an off season. Uh, I thought he was looking very sharp um, and and running the ball back with plenty of strength. But um, I, I think if you're, you're looking at some real, um, some real highlight points is uh, how our right edge was functioning. Um, some really, really positive moments from Bryce Cartwright. Uh, Will Penistini looked to have gotten bigger and faster. Uh, not normally something you describe. Normally you sacrifice a little bit of speed when you put on a bit of bulk, but he seems to have done both. And, you know, I, I sung uh, Sean Russell's praises in the first trial, and he's only... Um, He's only further backed those up. I've, I really like what I'm seeing from from Sean Russell. Albeit he had one moment where he was um, burned by um, Khan Pereira, um, but he won't be the, uh, the he's not the first, and he won't be the last no. to have that happen. Yeah, he's a bit of a speed merchant on that wing, isn't he? Yeah, you know, and um, speed is definitely king in this game. Um, likewise, I I, I, uh, I thought it was a, a really solid hit out from 
um, from Reg. Uh, Junior looks good coming off the bench. Uh, Jermaine Hopgood got through a mountain of work. There's no surprises there. I think he actually topped the run meters for us. Um, you know, and um, uh, Offie Ogden, I thought, had a, had a pretty decent start to the game coming in as a late starter um, after uh, Junior reverted back to the bench. And I think we saw the withdrawal of Wiramu, Greg, Joe Offengawi and uh, Ryan Madison from the game. So I thought, um, I thought he put in a pretty solid stint. Um, overall, pretty happy. Um, that being said, there were some moments, um, uh, certainly for improvement throughout the game. Um, you know, obviously, Micah. Um, is the is the uh, poignant uh, point we raised there, uh, given that he will be now missing the opening three rounds of the season, um, accepting an early plea, uh, early guilty plea, I should say, uh, for uh, a shot on um, AJ Brimson, which I thought, um, you know, we, we can probably get into a little bit later, but I thought uh, even with his prize, that three weeks is a bit harsh. I, I know it's sort of hard um, to... I guess, um, determine, uh, or I guess, where, where the, the line is between the shoulder um, making direct contact with the head and then coming up off the chest, which it did uh, certainly seem to in this instance. But, you know, Micah's record or recent record has counted against him in this instance. And um, unfortunately, we'll be without the big fella for the opening three rounds. But it gives good opportunity for some of the other guys to come, um, uh, potentially come in. Yeah, uh, I think we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit in, in more depth, like you said, shortly. But yeah, my big issue with that was if it was a grade two KLS high tackle, why wasn't he simbin or sent off? Wasn't he simbin? Yeah, yeah. I I don't really understand the procedural failure there from the uh, the the officials. So weird. Uh, it, I mean, obviously it's a high shot, so I got no issues with the, the decision from the MRC. Yeah, but it's more like a function of okay, he was guilty. Why wasn't he put in the bin or sent off? So very odd. Mm-hmm. Very odd. Uh, yeah, in, in terms of the game, you summed it up nicely. Um, I, obviously, 60s and I had an in-depth discussion about it earlier, but uh, I really liked the right edge like you did there, Quint. I thought they looked real sharp on both sides of the ball. Um, they're mm. going to be a handful for a lot of teams. Uh, it's not the natural attacking side too. Obviously, most people are right-to-left passes, and the Eels have scored a ton of tries down that edge in general. So it's nice to be able to have that mix-up to the other side of the field. Um I like the interchange of ball play between the forwards. I know Junior got a little bit trigger-happy at times, uh, mm. but that's why you have trials. That's fine. Uh, yeah, my, my, my biggest issue coming out of this, and it's not even a, a fault of anyone on the field, was we still have no idea about clarity on that bench situation because no. three of the prime candidates, you mentioned them, Maddo, uh, Ofengahi, and Witt, not, not like Woody's really up for grabs. I think he's probably got a spot locked in, but... Uh, mm. Just the, the rest of it, we, we don't really have any more clarity because they didn't play. Yeah, it's become any clearer, has it? <laughs> yeah. You know, Brendan Hands had another decent game. I thought mm. Kelmatur Lungi showed some versatility playing on both sides of the field. Was down unlucky not to score at the port. Just couldn't yeah. couldn't get that <laughs> half a centimetre down to the ground. It was a, a phenomenal show of strength, though. Uh, so, you know, there, there's lots of positives in that regard. Um, I suppose the other negative uh, mostly was concern about Bailey Simonson's health. There was a potential hamstring niggle there, but given that he has the better part of two weeks to recover for round one. You'd hope he's good. Um, if, Bowie, if Bowie can't go and Micah is suspended, then we're going to have to have a pretty uh, worrying conversation because uh, it means you know we're, we're down to no backline depth, which is, again, mm-hmm. uh, an issue that we've sort of circled in the past. As good as our forward depth is, and it, it is really good. Backline depth is razor thin, and you cannot afford an injury or a suspension, and we're now potentially staring down the barrel of both coming in the round one 
although I tend to think that Bailey is probably going to be okay. Yeah, so I think you, you summed up really nicely. Uh, it's it pretty much a, as good a trial result as you can hope for without you know causing overconfidence. So well done to the boys. Yeah. I think they, they prepped really nicely and they turned it around. And again, I realize it is a different team for the one that took on the Raiders, but there was a you know just a big macro turnaround uh, in their approach from that game. They looked much sharper. So good signs yeah. heading into round one. Obviously taking on the Bulldogs who had a... I don't know what to make of their preseason. I don't know how they wrangled up two home games at Belmore, by the way. How does that work? <laughs> oh, no, they were away in this round, apparently. Apparently it was the Sharks' home game at Belmore. Weird. Wish we got more home games. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, away games at uh, Combank. So, yep. yeah, well, well done to the dogs for finagling that one. But we uh, continue <laughs> to move on with results, Quint. We had a weekend of junior reps out at Illawarra in the gong. Uh, it was a split bag of results for the Eels this, in this one. Facing three undefeated Steelers teams, they prevailed in two grades, but also lost in the other two. Uh, victorious were the Harold Matthews, who continue to build really nicely. They won 20-12. to 12. Uh, They were missing a, a trio of important players this week as well. No Cyrus Bloomfield at fullback, no Ocean Vivella at prop, and no Mason Ong at lock forward. And they managed to overcome that handicap with that eight-point win. Keeps them firmly entrenched at the top of the ladder. And they continue to work their way into what is looking to now be a pretty promising campaign. Uh, they got talent across the park here, mm. so well done there. Uh, in the SG Bore, uh, Eels, for the first time this season, they got gunned down in the final quarter. They've been so good in that sort of championship quarter, but in this case, too many errors derailed their ability to compete. I think there was a talk in the 60s, there was a number of kickoff errors, which are the worst kind of errors because they just mm. completely break your back in terms of momentum. They... Uh, fell 30-16 to 16 against the Steelers. And then in the ladies' games, uh, after that rough start against the Bulldogs in round one, the Fiola continue, continue to impress. Uh, Lisa Fiola team running out 32-16 to 16 winners, and that's not even really a true tale of the tape. They dominated the Steelers on the scoreboard, and it was only goal-kicking that made the game, uh, you say, a 16-point game being close, as close as it was. But on the flip side, the Tasha Gale, like the SG Ball, struggled with uh, possession and completion. And the Steelers team, they're not in the same class as the Roosters or the Broncos, not Broncos, Bulldogs, uh, getting my Bs mixed up. Uh, but they are a very good team. And as you'd expect, give them all those opportunities and they're going to put points on. And they did that to huge effect, 38-0. So our girls got shut mm-hmm. out in that one, unfortunately. So that can that concludes the uh, rep results there. Like I said, Mats and Fiola building really nicely. SG Ball had a momentary stumble. Can they recover next week? We have to wait and see. And the Tasha Gale, they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, you don't, mm. like, you don't like to be that brusque about it, but they, they're struggling right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, um, it, it, it'll, it'll serve them in the, uh, in the long run in terms of their development. Because um, you know, regardless of whether teams are performing well or not, there's always a, a, a sprinkle of talent at the very, at the very least that, that comes through these sides. And you know, it's, it's important that they develop resilience through some of these types yep. of results because it's Agreed. what sets them up for their um for their future um the the, the mats i believe um in that victory though um john they've um they're potentially picking up a long-term suspension but we haven't got the name so we'll just take that under notice uh, for the future yeah too easy all right let's move on to some off-field news before we get back to that mike acevo suspension uh good news in the club elections quint uh after a long and protracted uh, series of campaigning from the uh, would-be candidates. The incumbents have prevailed. That means Sue Coleman and Greg Monaghan have been re-elected to the board uh, alongside uh, their other incumbents. So no change at the executive level for the Eels. And 
I know there were a lot of candidates this, in this cycle and I imagine there was a lot of pretty worthy candidates as well. But honestly, the club hasn't been doing anything wrong off the field and it's, it's hard to you know knock over the incumbents when that happens. Yeah, and look, stability is so important at that executive level. And you know, if you've got uh, two candidates who have um, proven themselves at that level and um, uh, adding value, I don't see any reason as to why you'd want to change that. That's just, um, there's absolutely no need to do that. So, you know, um, uh, from uh, a supporter's perspective and um, stability of the club, uh, this seems like a pretty good result. Yeah, it's a far cry from, you know, the late 2000s through to the mid-2000s with all the mess that came there. And I'm not pointing Mm. fingers at any particular individual. It's more a function of multiple boards, you know, struggling. Yeah, a function of the process that previously existed. Exactly. And, yeah, we, we've had a lot of prosperity off the field now, and it's good to see that the the members have responded in kind um, and placing their mm. faith in the incumbents to get the job done. So well done to all involved. And for the strong voting turnout too, I think that's some really good numbers uh, based on what I've seen in terms of just pure votes. So well done mm. to the uh, PLC membership for getting out there and, and letting their voice be heard. All right, Quint, let's circle back to what we are talking about with the Mike Acevo issue earlier on. Uh, he got the grade two careless high charge. Usually that's actually not that bad a charge to cop, but his uh, list of priors have led to a heavy stacking here. And what would have been maybe even a, a grade two, I think you could play down to maybe a fine on the first charge. I'm not sure, but mm. uh, with his stacking, it's a four-game base suspension if he were to fight or take a no contest. And as we learned today, he's going to take the early guilty plea which means he's going to miss rounds one, two, and three. And unfortunately for the Eels, much like Ryan Madison in 2023, they're without one of their core players very early on for the first three games of the, the uh, competition. Yeah, look, I hope that's, um, that's not an omen. Um, but that being said, you know, um, frustrating for Micah, frustrating for the team, frustrating for the supporters. Um, you know, Micah's got himself into this position quite a few times now, particularly over the last uh, 12 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just getting that timing right when he's jamming in. Um, you know, I, I said before, you know, I think it's a little contentious and I think we need to get clearer ruling around when the shoulder bumps up off the chest. I know the end result's the same and there's still contact to the head. I'm, I'm not um, trying to make an excuse for that or, or, or justify that in... Uh, by any means, but I do think that there needs to be a little bit more leeway um, with interpretation of that because, um, you know, in a, in a contact sport, there's uh, always going to be um, uh, the opportunity for, um, for for bounce back like that. Now, clearly, the player in this instance, which is Mike Acevo, um, you know, hopefully didn't go in with the intention of him, uh, hitting AJ Brimson in the head, um, but, but he has still made contact. So, look, I've got no problem with there being um, a penalty with the with it being re, um, referred to the match review committee with the suspension or anything like that but I do think even with prize that um, a three uh, week suspension is a little bit heavy um, you know I, I, I would like to have seen uh, in this instance uh, when it does bounce off the chest and head I, I, I think um, you know from uh, I, I guess a base level or, or, or a first offence, a, uh, a fine should still suffice. And likewise, you know, um, when it clearly it hasn't been the point of contact, you know, um, nothing more than two weeks. No, it's fair. And for me, you know, obviously procedurally, what's done is done, um, and you mm. you can't cry too much about the spilt milk or spilt water. Moving forwards now, 
what do the Eels do to best address that hole on the left flank? Obviously, you can just go one for one. Hayes Dunster comes in. Um, if Brad Alpha's feeling a little bit more uh, tinkery, he can put Bailey Simonson onto the wing, allow Morgan Harper to come into the centres. Um, I don't think he's going to do anything as outrageous as playing a rookie like Blaze Talangi, who I'm pretty certain where uh, I say it with some conviction that we think could use some time in New South Wales Cup as talented as he is. Uh, so mm. the, the two most obvious subs or substitutions replacements would be Dunster or, in a roundabout way, Harper. Uh, do you think it's yeah. as simple as just going winger for winger or would you expect Brad Arthur to maybe try and get Harper into the team? Um, I am a big fan of one for one. Uh, and, and the reason that I say that, and I, I dare say that our coaching staff are likely leaning this way. I say that with no prior knowledge and just presumption here. But um, you know, what in naming the side that we did um, in the second trial, we've said effectively said, Bailey Simonson has won the left centre position. So um, over the course of the preseason, that's where the coaching staff have ended up. To then change that, um, if he is available to play, is to, um, I guess, suggest that they've, uh, by virtue, obviously, in this case, um, suspension, not necessarily done an about face on that, but they've, they said, oh, you know, that that's what that's what you've been practicing all preseason or the majority mm-hmm. of the preseason. Um, we're now going to shift you because of these circumstances. Uh, when he's available, play then there's another option available on the wing. Um, I just don't think that that's normally the remit of of most coaches in that type of position. That being said, there absolutely is an opportunity for, uh, uh, as you said, Harper to come in and you know um, Bailey can. Uh, this is some consideration that he's fit and available to play. Um, shift to the the left wing, which I'm not against that as an option either. But I just think by virtue of the way the teams have been named across the trials and the way that the um, uh, preseason games have unfolded, you think it will be one for one. Yeah, I'm definitely leaning, I say lean, I'm, I'm almost certainly leaning uh, in the favour of Hayes Dunster coming in. I think you beef up your ability to ruck the ball out. You get a, you know, Hayes is a mm. solid finisher. It's not like he's a superstar in that regard, but you know, he'll get the job done. And uh, again, we're a mm-hmm. team that, if we want to take that step forwards, I think keeping our forward pack in mint condition to attack inside the the attacking 50 rather than having all the ruck work coming into it, mm. you know, best suits us. So getting Hayes in there to get his feet under him, and, and who knows? Three games is a lot of time to showcase your wares. He might end up challenging Mike Acevo if he can put together a strong campaign to start season 2024. So... Count me, which would in. only be to everyone's benefit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as they say, iron sharpens iron. You want competition, you want depth, mm-hmm. especially in a in a group of backs where we just don't have the same amount of depth as the forwards, and that's something mm-hmm. that they obviously hope we can address throughout the course of the season. But right now, big opportunity for Hayes uh, Hayes Dunster. So, hope we can grab it. Now, absolutely, we're going to move on from Eels news shortly. Uh, but you brought it to my attention the green room that I committed a, a rather erroneous faux pas this week by <laughs> not getting uh, the King Elvis Presley onto the old DJ or even someone like Dean Martin, you know, one of the, yep. the crooners from Vegas. So I have to put my hand up. An Italian and, man. I know. An Italian I know. man. John, no, no Sinatra, no Martin, no, no uh, <laughs> Presley. So I've gotten it all wrong. But I, in my defense, <laughs> i got to say, as much as Round Zero probably deserved to have its own little soundtrack this week, when I saw the trial on Sunday, I... I'm going to be honest, I was going to go back to Europe this week and get real weird with some Russian stuff. Uh, but six, six <laughs> isn't here, so I was, I'm going to save that for him. But one look 
at Will Penasini rocking that magnificent growing fro, and I just got the funk running through me, so I had to go with the, the funky tunes this week. And on that note, we'll go to the intermission break with a bit of catchy, funky tunes from Rollomatic called Hang Up. The song goes on to tell us that we need to get down to the rhythms of James Brown. And I agree. We do need to get down <laughs> to the rhythms of James Brown. James James Brown, wasn't he the one that was parodied in The Simpsons? Uh, constantly being arrested at the New Year's Eve party of like 99 or something? Yes. Man, I, what I, I do this time? Yeah, I, I believe <laughs> you got it spot on there. Uh, but yeah, hopefully you enjoyed the funky tunes this week and we get into the back end of the podcast, which of course means... Time to go around the NRL, see what's been happening in the preseason and beyond. Obviously, we mentioned round zero. It's going to be one of the focal points in the back end of our discussions. But we start with the World Club Challenge this week with uh, the Wigan Warriors actually entering rarefied company uh, in their controversial win over the Penrith Panthers. I think it was 16-12 to 12, uh, they scored. I, I mean, in, in fairness to the referee, I suppose there was the angle he was on looked like the ball might have been on the line, but... Uh, it was a double movement by any metric, and the, the, their their third party official, the TV umpire, whatever they call it, uh, certainly didn't see that. So Wigan prevailing, and I think they're they're only the second club to become a five time World Club Championship uh, team, alongside maybe the Sydney Roosters. So, like I said, rarefied company. They've knocked over the Penrith Panthers in back to back games now. I mean, not many teams outside the Parramatta's can say they've done that. So well done to, to Wigan. Uh, and, and in the sort of Parramatta-adjacent news, uh, former Eels Jai Field and Bevan French proving instrumental in that victory. Uh, Jai have a number of incredible try-saving tackles at the back, and Bev French at 5'8 now, a uh, position mm. where I thought he might long be pretty handy in, uh, showing his class and also having a try taken away from him at the back end of the game. But, yeah, good to see some former Eels being key to a very big game there. Can I just tell you that the shortened fruit in me was peak, peak on Sunday morning watching this game. Um, I got the text message about 20 minutes into the match um, from a friend asking, are you watching this? And I went, oh, bugger it. I've uh, totally forgotten. Let me let me uh, get up and tune in. And um, I found myself cheering on uh, Jay Field and Bevan French as though they were still in the blue and gold. And, um, and, and yes... There were some, uh, let's call them hometown decisions throughout the game. <laughs> um, you know, but the fact of the matter is, the might of Penrith couldn't score more than two tries against Wigan. And, um, you know, um, by their own lofty standards, that's not good enough. And, you, you know, you, you can cry foul of um, some of these things going, again, uh, going against them. And there is a case to say that uh, maybe there were one or two decisions where that was, um, that was certainly the case. But um, that being said, you know, uh, and, and we often discuss it, you know, you, you've got to be good enough to overcome the controversy yep. and yep. you've got to, um, you know, the, the, it, people even look at the a potential last um, second try that, that was, uh, that went up as a no try and thought that was incorrectly interpreted. It's like, well, 
you shouldn't be ideally you shouldn't be leaving it to the 79th minute to win a game and if you do you know what there's times where you're going to be the winner and there's times where you're going to be the loser and you've got to be prepared to accept it which whichever way it happens the real downfall for penrith in this game is the lack of ability to control the ball they made a lot of mistakes in the play the ball um i know that the field is uh, obviously much um thinner over there both in goals and the um the width of the field so it makes it harder to play an expansive game particularly when you're in the middle of a a northern english winter um and uh colder conditions so i understand why penrith were probably playing a little bit more compressed and they couldn't create the space that they're used to creating over here in australia but but that being said they didn't really offer up too much imagination you know there was, there was i saw uh one particular opportunity they had in the second half where Isaiah yo went through and um the pass went down to the in, um on the ground to the inside man and um a try certainly went begging there but you know there were some opportunities in terms of some short interchange of passing with forwards um, through the middle third uh, that I thought that Penrith should have looked to exploit a little bit further. But then, you know, they, they went there once or twice and didn't go back again. And you know, they, they, they kept uh, feigning to go wide only to, to uh, turn the ball back on the inside to um, an inside run of doing an unders line. So, um, yeah, look, um, they kind of reaped what they sowed as a result of that. I don't I don't. Um, I don't look at Penrith as being robbed in, in, in that situation. I looked as though that they, um, you know, for one of the few times over the last four or five years, managed a game very poorly, suffered the consequences of that, and they had some unfortunate decisions go against them in the, um, in the scheme of, or I guess, the, um, the, the way that the game unfolded there. So, you know, it was kind of like a, um, a, a compounding yeah. um, a series of events for them. And I, for one... I've never doubted that the Penrith Panthers have ever told anything but the truth on the field, Quint. Uh, you know, they, they never remonstrate or try and cajole or you know stretch the truth. They are very, very good boys on the field, and that was reflected in Brian Toto getting a little bit Old Testament on the uh, Wigan Warriors, uh, <laughs> lashing out at them for the uh, obviously the controversial try that was being celebrated before it went up, saying that lying is a sin and you shouldn't lie. So. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the the function or the thought process there was for Brian because football sour is, grapes. Yeah, I, I think that that sour is grapes. most likely what it is. And Todd is obviously a phenomenal player. You know, there's this yeah. isn't a shot at his playing talents or anything like that. But no, it, it is always cool. funny when a player lashes out like that, saying that isn't you there the better man? When we know for a fact that every team, and this is parameters included, we're not you know naive mm-hmm. to it. If they can stretch an advantage on the field any way they can. They will. Why you know, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. My foot was in. No, I didn't knock on. Uh, yes, they tipped the ball. Like whatever they can get to get a six again, to get a penalty, to get a try in this in this case, they'll do. And yeah, whether the player in, some, in question thought he was there or not, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, of course he's going to celebrate. It, it, it's also a little bit holier than now to oh, yeah. to to try and take that position because if the shoe was on the other foot and Penrith had won in those circumstances, I highly doubt that Brian Toto, after the fact, would feel the need to apologise and that he lied and committed sin. I mean, where, where were the Penrith Panthers after our 21 final series come, come the, out? And, great question. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, like, I wonder if Mitch Kenny feels that way in the, um, given uh, uh, his deliberate tactic in uh, staying down in that semi-final yeah, exactly. if we were on a roll. The, the reality is that's football. You just got to cop it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it goes your way, sometimes exactly it doesn't. Exactly right. Anyway, exactly that, on, right. That, <laughs> on that amusing note, we'll move <laughs> on. Uh, while the World Cup challenge was in a, I suppose, hot pursuit on Sunday morning. Uh, the Broncos were in the process of wrapping up. No, they'd already wrapped up, sorry. 
the uh, preseason challenge cup. I, technically, they were waiting for one result. I believe it was the Raiders Cowboys game that they still had to wait on to secure it. But uh, with the result went going that way, the Broncos were awarded the hundred thousand dollar cash prize with a forty six to twenty victory over the Cowboys in Week One. That was two full strength teams in that game. No, it was a reserve grade full Cowboys up against the full strength Broncos because of the round zero preps. But then in round mm-hmm. two, the reserve grade Manly reserve grade Broncos met and they dusted up the Seagulls to the tune of forty to sixteen. No, forty to fourteen. Sorry, yeah, I can't give them those two points. Uh, Brisbane, <laughs> Brisbane looking sharp and full of depth. No surprises there. Hundred uh, k cash prize. I suppose it's uh, you know some remedy towards <laughs> missing out on the the big one last year. Uh, but fair to say the Broncos looking like they're in pretty good shape entering the season. To the surprise of I guess no one, Quint. No, look, you, you kind of expect that of Brisbane. Uh, they've got a pretty damn good strong squad there, um, and they should be uh, looking to challenge again. Um, that being said, they kind of won, at least in my books, they kind of won this preseason challenge almost under the radar. And the reason I say that is obviously they've gone over to Vegas and um, they get uh, they, they sent out sort of their um, their second spring side in the in the second week of of, um, of the preseason challenge. But um, you know th- those um, all those Vegas teams, I should say, um, you know they they kind of came in and and um, I wouldn't say that they were necessarily win. This uh, uh, win the preseason challenge was more a case of getting some um, some healthy uh, runs in for some players before a long haul trip over to the US, ready to, to uh, for round zero or round one, whichever way you want to look at it. So you know they, they kind of um, they kind of won it um, as I said o- o- almost under the radar because you almost considered because of those teams going to Vegas that they're not really a part of the preseason challenge. Uh, you know I'm, I might be um, on my own in that view, but. Um, you know, it, it, what it is reflective of is how good a squad they've got up there. Yeah, and, and speaking of, I suppose, the name that sort of made some waves in this preseason for the uh, Broncos is the big unit, Takura, uh, who is sort of uh, built a bit like Nelson Osofa Solomona or Benjamin Takura. Uh, he was uh, very good near the, the goal line and looks to be the next in a, a long line of uh, production <laughs> for the Broncos in the Ford pack, so one to watch out for there. That sort of brings us nice, nicely into a springboard into your general preseason takes away from the Parramatta Eels. Quinn, I know there were some big injuries. Tom Gilbert confirmed mm-hmm. ACL comes to mind. Real luckless man, that one there, between the origin injury <laughs> and then that. Uh, and then obviously we, we got Cohen Hess, who has a suspected ACL. Uh, so bad luck on two fronts there for the two Queensland forwards. But in terms of our general takes, uh, did anyone really jump out of the uh, you know preseason pond to impress you? Uh, obviously, you know there are some teams um, that we got some real interesting storylines. Obviously, the West Tigers under Benji Marshall. Uh, you've got mm. you got you know can the Warriors consolidate in what we saw last year? Uh, the you know the Newcastle Knights were they a uh, you know flash in the pan back in the year? And <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 there's a lot going on, um, but. Did anyone really jump out from the pack to impress you? Uh, I swear that you're reading my mind as you were just going through um, some of those sides there. Look, but for, for me, uh, um, I, I continue to have question marks over Newcastle. I'm not sold that last year wasn't a flash in the pan. Um, happy to be proven wrong, but um, at, at this point in time, I didn't see anything that didn't, um, I guess, uh, satisfy my thirst for an answer to that question. 
I, I, I still look at them through um, skeptical glasses, if you if you want to refer to it as such. Um, uh, likewise, I thought the Warriors looked pretty strong against the Dolphins. I know the, the Dolphins got a, um, a little late flurry of points, but um, geez, uh, Roger Tuavasa Shek. Um, he, you know, I said that Gutherson didn't look like he's Mr. Beat. You know, he, he was looking dangerous out there for yeah, the Warriors. Class is uh, class to check. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, there's a lot to like about how they played that um, played their trial against the Dolphins. There, there was a lot of energy. Um, they they look a fit side again as well. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if they'll necessarily be a top four side again, but um, and a lot of their hopes obviously hinge on the fitness of Sean Johnson being available for the um the, the duration of the season but that being said i um i i look at them as uh picking up where they left off and, and certainly being a, a side that fits in that um three to six um place finish at this point um likewise um uh, uh i'll tell you a team who did surprise me was the raiders and that's not because uh, i thought they were fantastic but they do look a bit better than what I've I guess I prepared in my mind for them to be this year. Now, obviously, we uh, you know trial form is trial form, and doesn't necessarily mean anything at the end of the day. Um, but they certainly had a little bit more um, imagination about their attack than what I was expecting. Um, you know, Ethan Strange looks to have plenty of energy and um, doesn't look out of place against NRL players. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's one to watch. And, and interestingly, I I thought he was very lucky to get away. Um, with only a fine for his tackle <laughs> yeah. um, in the it, it Cowboys show, game. It shows you that reputation does weigh for a fair bit when it comes to the MRC. And I, I think, obviously, in terms of Eels, Mike Acevo comes immediately to mind. But former Eel, Murata Niakore, even at the Warriors, cops some pretty uh, brisk charges compared to what his contemporaries do, I feel. So, mm-hmm. you know, reputation Absolutely. can precede you. And, 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 you know, obviously that's a, a first defence for Ethan in that regard. But... um. You know, it was a tackle that uh, put a player past the horizontal. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in my books, um, and again, I, I could be wrong, but you know, I'm, I'm sure um, there's plenty of other fans out there that feel the same. If you commit a tackle past the horizontal, it's an immediate suspension. It's just a determination of how many weeks. Um, you know, we saw when Nathan Cleary did that to Dylan Brown in uh, 2022. He missed what was it, four or five weeks for that tackle? Yeah. It obviously, wasn't as serious. Um, as Cleary's tackle back then, but you know there was still a player that uh, landed on their head as a, and, and um, wasn't necessarily aggressively driven into the ground, but you know there was still force in the tackle. So I found it very interesting. He walked away with only a fine. Um, you know, St George got a win. Good on them. Um, uh, I, I haven't seen anything from the Dragons or Tigers to suggest that they won't be uh, bottom four at this stage. Again, plenty of uh, water to pass under the bridge and lots of things can change between now and then. But at this particular point in time, with the information available to us, uh, I wouldn't be uh, liking my chances this year for a finals appearance if I was a St. George West Tigers or Canterbury Bulldogs fan. Yeah, I I don't think there's going to be too much of a trend difference for them. Um, And like you said, there's a lot of football to be played to prove to the contrary, but initial signs don't look too great. I'm just trying to think if I saw anyone that would suggest being a big riser. And I don't know. The Dolphins have, you know, obviously shopped around nicely. I think that they can fitness pending because there's now concerns over Herbie Farnworth being available mm. for round one. And obviously, uh, no, Tom Gilbert's a big loss that forward pack. But 
they've got the potential to get into the top eight. But again, yep. you, know, you, you consider the teams that are in the hunt, and obviously at the very top you've got the Panthers and the Broncos, but then you know Storm, Roosters, Eels, Cowboys, Rabbitohs, Sharks, uh, Warriors. You know they were very good last year. Raiders. It's I don't know. It's a hotly contested top eight. It looks like it's going to be, and it, the squeeze happens very, mm. very quickly in that when that sort of uh, you know congestion occurs. It, it certainly feels as though, uh, and I'm starting to get the sense, uh, just seeing different things online, um, it, it's going to be a hotly contested season. I, I reckon there's probably 12 teams um, that are very strong contenders for, mm-hmm. for being top eight finishers. And um, and they're teams that I look at that for a uh, majority of them on their day can beat anyone. Yeah. Uh, for, um, for all the issues we had about parity going back three years thereabouts, uh, mm. I don't know what's changed in terms of recruitment and you know the the sort of metagame shift with the rules, but right now, even as good as Penrith and Brisbane are, it feels like there's a whole chunk of clubs that can line up and at least punch them in the face in a given game, yeah. if not beat them. Absolutely, and 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 um, from a neutral perspective, that's fantastic. You know, that's 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 kind of what we want. We we want to see that um, that level of competition. You know. Um, uh, we spoke about some of the rule changes that happened over um, over the off season that's coming in uh, into the season proper, and that was supposedly about bringing competition um, uh, in into all these little moments in the game. Uh, I, I think what matters more is that the competition proper and the competition itself is highly competitive, and yep. I think that's what we're going to get this year. Yes, sir. Very happy to see how that one plays out, and obviously hoping the Eels can climb that top eight ladder very, very high and book a, a good berth into the finals. we we'll have to wait and see, though. Uh, injury and suspension sure had a say on what that was uh, mm-hmm. capable of last year. We haven't really started 2024 no. off uh, in a better light, given that Mike Acevo three-game suspension, but we will move on from that. Let's uh, sort of do a big blitz around the NRL now. Uh, some quick news. Adam Reynolds' one-year extension with the Broncos was rumoured last week, now made official by the club. Uh, no real surprises there, Quint. They haven't really got the succession plan in place to replace him. And even then, they brought him in knowing that he was going to be a medium-term fixture for him. So as long as he can you know, not get on the booze and beef with Pat Carrigan, I think he's probably <laughs> in, a, in a good spot for him. Uh, but yeah, no, no surprises there. What was a surprise, though, going back to Belmore now, uh, Reid Marnie and Matt Burton, given the axe by coach Cameron Serrato, no longer captains, have been replaced by incoming centre. Stephen Crichton, who was uh, lavish praise upon by Serrato for his leadership qualities, but geez, uh, tough crowd for Reed Money and Matt Burton there, mate. Um, this should be a cautionary tale for Stephen Crichton because I anticipate in about twelve months' time he'll be in exactly the same position. <laughs> it's true. <If> the... <laughs> um, it, it's it, it just reeks of uh, her high-profile new recruit coming from successful club. Hope that they um, hope that the uh, not only their playing ability, but um, that they picked up some form of leadership from the, uh, the successful club they've come from can impart that on there, and therefore we can post rationalise and justify that giving them the leadership position, the captaincy, uh, was justified. That's that's ultimately what it feels yeah. like. It's it, it's just it seems like a um, a reverse engineered PR exercise, if you ask me. It is a real issue for the dogs too, though, because you look at that squad and no one really steps up, like stands out as a leader, do they? Um, it, well, if it was me, and granted, I'm not an NRL head coach, nor am I a head of football at an NRL club, 
But I'll, I'll, I'll be looking at someone who encompasses the the club identity. And for me, the Bulldogs club identity is, you know, um, obviously they had the entertainers back in the, the very late 70s, early 80s, but it's largely been the dogs of war. And if there's a player on their roster who happens to be signed long-term there, for, I think got another three or four years on their deal, that encompasses that, it's Jacob Preston. True. And I, I, I would be looking at him as um, as someone who... I would want to um, to build rebuild that identity around. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, Stephen Crichton is um, is your flashy highlights player. I to be seen whether he's got um, bona fide leadership credentials. Um, he he may very well. Um, but that being said, um, you know, I I want to look at someone who's who you know is going to be there long term. And I, speaking to a couple of Bulldogs fans, they kind of feel that this um, uh, disappointment to captaincy is is done with a bit of um, future retention in mm. mind as opposed to as opposed to it being um, completely justified for, as being the best decision for the club. I don't think Serato can afford this blow up in his face either. Um, no. I know he's got the long-term deal inked, but we know that it's a ruthless business. And if the dogs mm. struggle again, both from you know just an on-field form perspective, but also from that golf and leadership, then yeah, uh, I don't know. The, the pressure will be turned up on him. But now... Couldn't we go from the deposed to the dumbasses? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to, to line that one up. But Luciano Leilua, who's been in our podcast the last couple of weeks on the back of you know speculation he was lining up to join the Dragons, well, there's now questions whether he'd be registered at all, given that he's failed to inform not only his club, uh, who ended up cutting ties with him on the back of it, but also the NRL and its integrity unit about a DUI that he sustained earlier this year. So, uh I, what, what do you say seriously the, what are, A I have no time for DUIs in general because of the burden of risk that you bring upon innocent people when you're on the road you mm-hmm. know, in a one two ton vehicle depending on what you're driving uh, that is just you know a weapon of destruction but two to think that it would it'd stay hidden like the the level of stupidity on showcase here should be a massive red light to or you know blaring light to any club, let alone the Dragons, about potentially picking this man up. Yeah, you, you would think so. But uh, it's almost as if the Dragons are in such a desperate position that, you know, they're, they're, they're almost, I'm not suggesting that this is what they're doing, but it's almost as though it's we'll take what we can get, True. regardless of what it is. Um, you know, but um, obviously uh, very irresponsible of him not to uh, report that. And, and just to echo your sentiments there in relation to, to drink driving, uh, every time, regardless of alcohol con- consumption of alcohol, full disclosure, I don't, I don't drink, um, and but I don't have any, anything wrong with anyone who does. Um, but um, anytime you get behind a car, uh, a steering wheel of a car, and you're driving a car, you're putting your life and other people's life at risk because mm-hmm. there is the, there is the chance that something can go wrong. There is a reason why there's a legal driving age and why you uh, and why you have to be 100% sober. You introduce alcohol into it, something that's already a, a, a risky activity. Um, and, and you're exactly right. You're potentially putting people's lives in, in, in real danger. People die from this and people get jailed for committing this offense if someone does die. So, you know, um, it's not something that should be taken lightly. And um, it, it kind of seems like when um, when our alcohol fueled incidents where you know, in this particular case, the only um, thankfully there was there was no no victim. The only person who's hurt themselves here is Luciana Lua. 
but it, 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 I, I kind of wish as a society we take this a little bit more seriously yep. because it, it the potential devastation it can cause is monumental. Yeah, if you literally the only person being put at risk was yourself, it'd be one thing. Like you'd be criticized for being stupid in that regard. But every mm-hmm. time you get behind the wheel, and these guys aren't you know point zero one over the limit. They they never are. They're they're tanked. They're you know usually mm-hmm. really gassed up on booze. When you do that, you know you're talking two, three, four, five. If it's a multi-car incident uh, beyond the first two, you know even double digits sometimes. But even if you're taking one life, that isn't your own. Like the mm-hmm. The trickle on from that, the amount of damage it causes, and what cannot be, you know, given back, you should never be put in a position to to cause that in the first place. So, you know, I, absolutely, I'm, like you said, I I wish, and this isn't a shot at anyone listening. This is a a, no, a, a wider a wider societal thing. I do wish that drink driving was taken more seriously by more people. Yeah, it, it, we just as a society seem to have a, a little bit more of a laissez-faire. Yep attitude towards it as opposed to especially um in in the this era of uber and other drive share apps as well and that yeah the, the, there's other means to to um solve this problem if if you want to go out and have a drink and yeah i mean obviously we're talking about Leilua now but in the nfl uh, a former player of a team that i support the seahawks uh has his second dui in a year and you know we're, we're not talking nrl money there we're talking this guy was a superstar in the nfl and, you know, making millions on millions, just mm. just call an Uber. Like, there is no excuse yeah. when you're making that much money. If you're an average person, you can afford an Uber, let alone a, mm-hmm. an NRL or NFL star. So, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 the cost of, in inverted commas, the cost of doing business. If you yeah. want to go out and and, and, um, and buy a couple of drinks and have, have some fun with your with your family and your friends, you're, you are legally entitled to do that. But part of the cost of doing that is is recognising, oh, uh, if I've, I've got to get, if I've got to find a way home, I'm clearly not the person to be driving. I've either, I've either got to find someone who can uh, take me, um, or you know, as as you said, uh, sort of service like Uber or, or a taxi or whatever it may be. And I'm interested to see how much of a hammer the NRL might bring down on Lalua now. Uh, deregistration is, you know, certainly on the table. Uh, they don't mm. like they don't like when people try to uh, hide stuff, and you can understand no. why. You know, it just it leads to bad headlines. It's not good PR. And I'm keen to see what this means for him in the future. If it, if a you know hefty uh, suspension at the very minimum, but we go mm. from that shitty news to some good news for New Zealand rugby league. They've found their next head coach to replace Michael Maguire, and uh, despite uh, a whole number of names being linked, including Wayne Bennett and Parramatta's own Nathan Kalis, who is currently our cup coach, they've gone for another player icon in Stacey Jones. Uh, it's been a, probably a long time coming for Stacey. He's been in the coaching ranks for a number of years now. And they go to their most storied halfback prior to Sean Johnson, I suppose, to be the new international coach. Yeah, and look, Stacey Jones is uh, a figurehead, an icon of uh, New Zealand rugby league. So it, it seems like a very natural fit. Um, you know, um, He's obviously taking over the coaching ranks um, with New Zealand Rugby League in a pretty good position, they disposed of Australia quite comfortably in the Four Nations final. Was it Four Nations or the Pacific Cup final, whichever one it was? Um, and forgive me for, for forgetting the the exact name. I'm sure a listener can correct me in, that, in our comments section. Um, but you know, um, it, 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 it's a good time for him to be taking over, and hopefully, um, for the sake of competitive international rugby league, 
um, under his leadership, they can continue to consolidate their position. Yeah, he inherits a very good team. And like you said, I'm keen to see that rivalry with Australia really solidify mm. into arguably the, the best that we, we've seen in the history of International Rugby League. So it's mm. a pivotal juncture for International League now. The Kiwis have the ability now to not get a stranglehold, but to absolutely become uh, a legitimate rival to the Aussies. So I'm, I'm keen to see if Jones can build on that. And I certainly wish him the best because it's, I know it's lame, but it is hard to cheer for the Aussies in the rugby league. It is good. Yeah. It is good to see. Because you're essentially cheering for Queensland. Yeah, that, that's a big part of it. Um, and, you know, New Zealand's often had a lot of Parramatta representation or ex-Para mm-hmm. representation in the case of Murata and Zaya guys that you still like to cheer for regardless of the jersey they're wearing domestically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I'm really keen to see the Kiwis make a push here to get a, a grip on the number one spot in the rankings. And now Absolutely. to round out the uh, NRL news, we're going back to the international variant here. Uh, got a couple of uh, branches of potential Super League news, although not just in England. Uh, we saw today that cult, or cult, cultural icon and uh, wrestling and film superstar Dwayne The Rock Johnson has apparently been approached or in, in sort of soft terms, filled out, sounded out about it, potentially buying a stake in what would be an American Super League, professional rugby league in America. Uh, for background on this, Quint, uh, obviously, Dwayne has some ties to rugby league in the past, as I shouted out. I believe the St. George Dragons, uh, I think, from memory. Uh, I think he's got some familial ties there. Mm. And in terms of being a stakeholder in uh, non, you know, sort of marquee American com sport uh, competitions, he is a big stakeholder in, I think it's the USFL, the United States Football League, which is essentially one of the lower grade or, or sub American football competitions to the NFL. So there's definitely precedent here. Um, and if the if the NRL is serious about making that uh, beachhead into American uh, the American audience stick, you're going to need a, a strong domestic competition. Yeah, and it's helpful to have um, someone with the, um, the reach and access and full of someone like uh, yeah. The Rock. Yep. Um, but... Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned he's already got a stake in um, essentially a feeder system into the NRL, uh, albeit um, not the traditional college route. Um, but, um, you know, you, you look at other sports over there. Uh, David Beckham um, bought um, uh, quite a big stake in um, into Miami, yes. uh, which is the MLS um, football slash soccer, uh, whichever um, uh, uh, way you prefer to refer to it. Um, and um, and uh, I think I uh, I don't want to misrepresent the figures, but I, I I think he's made something like five or six times on his initial investment into that, and you know, it was obviously instrumental in bringing um, uh, Ballon d'Or uh, multi winner uh, Lionel Messi across to that side um, there as well. You know, so th- there's something um, you, know, you use that those types of things as a template and it's a good way to try and entice someone like the rock. And, you know, obviously it comes down to whether he's got a personal appetite, but, um, you know, personally, it's something I'd love to see take place, not necessarily the rock, but obviously an American super league. I, I'd really like for us to get serious about having, um, you know, at least at the very least a properly run semi-professional that has over the course of time, the ability to build up to professional competition over there. I don't think it's, uh, beyond the realms of possibility or, um, 
or nor is it too much of a stretch goal to say rugby league um, in the US should be looking at um, what the MLS football slash soccer mm-hmm. has achieved and go, we, we, we have the ability to get to that level and then maybe beyond after that point. Now, naturally, they're not going to um, challenge um, the really entrenched sports the, the there, three or four. like football, yeah, exactly. Your baseball um, and your basketball, and 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 even to a little bit lesser extent, hockey. Yeah, um, they're obviously well entrenched within uh, that North American market, um, but that's not who they should try to be over there either. You know, uh, I think the MLS is a is a very good um, model for them, or I, I guess. Um, uh, outcome for them to try and, and, and look to achieve in the long term. Yeah, I agree. The MLS is definitely who you should be modeling yourself after if you're going to go all in on an American Super League, whatever they want to call it. If they've got a better mm. name, I don't know. And yeah, attracting some star power. If you were to do it, obviously you'd be getting Rusty, uh, Russell Crowe in on it as well. Mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman, if you can, all those Aussie icons that have legitimate star power in America. Uh, but yeah, if you can get the rock in on it, and I know to an extent, I, I love. The Rock from the Attitude Era and all the wrestling stuff, but as he is right now, he's a commercial beast, right? Like he, he'll put his brand on, mm-hmm. on, on a lot of things if it's good for him. Um, so yep. it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's you know, a complete investor for him, but getting his stamp of approval, or, you know, his buy-in on it would be still a feather in your cap. So definitely something to watch if they can get him to attach his name to it. It's certainly going to help uh, any prospective competition. Uh, but on that note, we sort of stick in the Northern Hemisphere but go across the pond to another Super League. And what started as what people initially thought was a shitty Matty Johns rumour uh, about the NRL being rumoured to buy a controlling stake in the English Super League has suddenly become maybe not a shitty rumour and maybe there might be something substantive to it. Uh, the, there's always been a long and storied history between the two competitions, Quint. But is it seriously a chance that the NRL, who seem to be flexing their financial windfall... <laughs> Uh, across the last week or so, could they become controlling stakeholders of the Super League? Yeah, well, we, we were joking in the green room for our listeners that um, the the NRL hasn't been afraid to share that they've got cash at the moment. It's that's certainly been the uh, the underlying message of some of these stories that are coming out. It seems like they're prepared to invest, and um, you know, we, we talk about the long term growth of rugby league. Um, the Super League is obviously an already established asset in that space. That being said, it hasn't been without its struggles and, and its challenges. And, um, you know, um, part of the big challenges over in um, in the Super League is that there's probably about four or five super clubs and then the rest of the clubs are kind of um, fighting out each year just to keep their, um, their head above water. And um, they do have a relegation system over there and they obviously see some teams come in and out of the competition every year. Um, I think the NRL um, having a controlling stake in there is good for the long-term future of the Super Club, uh, uh, Super League rather, um, largely because, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's tradition and then there's moving with the times. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, it's important to keep the balance between the two. But I think uh, in terms of English rugby league, they, they weigh a little bit too heavily towards tradition and it's kind of seen the competition and the sport over there stagnate a little bit. And given the um, the growth that rugby league has experienced in Australia over certainly over the last ten to fifteen years, you know, record numbers in memberships across multiple clubs, regardless of um, you know uh, how accurate some figures might be at some clubs. Likewise, um, you know the, the viewership numbers, uh, the record uh, media deals, 
you know, um, we, we do rightly scrutinize and criticize some actions of the NRL administration, um, as should we all as, as stakeholders in the game and, and uh, with a vested interest and, and um, certainly a financial interest in the game if you're a, um, a season ticket holder. Um, but that being said, they've made some sound commercial decisions um, over that period of time. And, you know, I, I do think the Super League, um, if the deal is right, the deal has to be right. And it has to be something that's going to be obviously an income producing asset um, for greater rugby league. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that there is um, some value that can be added if that was a decision that was to, um, to uh, oh, I, I guess, an, an outcome to unfold. Yeah, and there was also talk about potentially uh, rescheduling the competition again. Uh, I believe it's a, is it a English uh, winter competition now? And then moving it back yeah. to the summer? So uh, that will be a wait and see there. But this is very interesting news. Um, I, I am... It would be a big asset, I think, if the NRL were to acquire acquire it, even with you know the concerns we have about the stagnation, uh, linking the Super League and the NRL even more uh, intrinsically, I think, is a good thing. Uh, we've seen mm. some you know really positive transfers on both sides. Uh, there's a lot of NRL players who have you know have been able to, due to you know circumstance, injury, bad luck, uh, you know, not in some cases not being mature enough have fallen out of the NRL but gone on to really find their feet in the Super League. Likewise, the NRL seen an influx of phenomenal English forwards, uh, you know, for mm. not not just recently because that's, you know, we, we think about all the Canberra guys that have come in, uh, but, you know, going all the way back to Adrian Morley and even before then, mm-hmm. uh, there's been, you know, a long and storied history there. So, yeah, bringing those two competitions under the same banner would be interesting. And likewise, if, the, if you end up creating that triumvirate with that American League, it would sort of maybe pave the way for some interesting options for player transfers and you know, mm. the ability to strengthen different competitions at different times of the year, all of what we sort of see in uh, various forms of uh, T20 and cricket. Uh, so mm. maybe you can help all competitions in that way uh, by bringing them under the same banner. So we have to wait and see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I do uh, like that you referred to it as the triumvirate. That's um, that's that. See that you brought your Italian back. Yeah. <laughs> by, by doing that. Bit a bit of the old uh, Roman history there. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, th- this is a real interesting territory for rugby league. I mean, they mm. they seem serious about making a push into the American market. Uh, they have a chance to, uh, you know, consolidate the English market at the same time. And again, you're dealing with a marketplace where you're never going to compete with the English Premier League. Uh, and, and to Nor listen. should you look to. No, exactly. Look to. Uh, but you can make inroads against Rugby Union and the other mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tier 2 competitions there. And all, all you need to do is carve out your own niche and establish an identity that resonates with an audience. So mm-hmm. uh, really interesting times here for the NRL and for Rugby League in general. Uh, we haven't seen this sort of aggressive expansion since, not even really the Super, like the Australian Super League, because that wasn't really expansion in so much. It was you know just a series of you know ego trips across both competitions mm. uh, that ended up damaging the game for decades. So I'm, I'm cautiously excited here if there is a serious credence to this rumor. And on that note, let's round out our podcast with a quick look at round zero. We go back to the States for a couple of games on our Sunday, uh, the American Saturday, I believe. I can just pull up mm-hmm. my draw here. I had these up earlier today. Yeah, so Sunday, 1.30 p.m. and 3.30 p.m., starting with the Eagles, Seagulls, and the Rabbitohs, and then the Roosters and the Broncos. So I believe, based on 
uh, my calculations. I think that's a 6.30 p.m. start in Vegas uh, on the Sunday, I believe. Um, I could be wrong about that, but they're fairly Western orientated in terms of time zones, so the the delay sort of falls in nicely. Uh, how do you see this one, Quint? Uh, we'll, we'll sort of take very quick takes on this. But Seagulls, Rabbitohs, we have what looks to be a rejuvenated Tommy Tobojevic uh, care of some ballet sessions. Looks to have increased mm. his flexibility. I mean, I, I say that without being flippant. Uh, there, there, are a lot no. of, there are a lot of ways that you can find, you know, uh, avenues back to full fitness. And in this case, it looks like the flexibility uh, and, you know, uh, athletic requirements of ballet have helped Tommy. And given his issues with his hammies and back, hopefully it keeps him healthy. Uh, but yeah, he, he is back. Uh, the, the big thing for the Seagulls outside of that is how does Luke Brooks fit into the picture? Um, you know, beyond that, they're, they're pretty much the same 2023 Seagulls as what we had, you know, in the past. Uh, on the other side, you got uh, no... Uh, God. Uh, God, the camera boy. I have an absolute brain fade here. Uh, Jack Whiten. Jack Whiten. No Jack Whiten for the Rabbitohs, which means that Richie Kennard is getting the start at centre. Uh, but it's still a good back line. Mitchell, Johnston, Tass, Gagai, uh, Cody Walker, name to play, although there are concerns about his fitness. Lockwinilia starting at halfback as he did last year. Their uh, all-star back row, Kalal Matangi, Arrow and Murray, going up against mostly Olkowatu and Jake Dubojevic on the other side. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to get a read on this one. Uh, I think the big one here is Tom Dubojevic. If he is healthy, mm. you just you can't write Manly off against anyone. Uh, but we know the Rabbitohs can score plenty of points. Uh, which way do you see this one going? And this is an absolute coin flip for, for mine because both teams are capable of beating each other and putting scores on each other. Um, you know, I, I probably lean slightly towards Manly at this point uh, simply because they, they look like they have a, a little bit more experience um, in their side, at least in what's been named. Um that being said, I do like the South Pack a lot better, but you know, um, uh, I, I, I rate very highly Daly Cherry Evans. You know, I, I, I th- he, he's an occasion man as well. You know, um, apart from Bradley Clyde, he's the only player to win a uh, Clive Churchill Medal on a losing side. Um, he's obviously um, had put in plenty of good shifts for Queensland over the last few years as well. Um, you know, uh, and with question marks over Cody Walker's fitness. Um, it kind of seems like you know, a, a, another big occasion game because this is a big occasion. There's a lot of hype around this, um, uh, but, and there certainly will be for the players that are taking the field in both the respective matches. I kind of feel like this is something that's kind of made for DCE, and um, I, I can see. I know I said that these sides are capable of putting big scores on each other, but I do see DCE um, being able to uh, steer Manly home in a tight one in this one. Yeah, I, I lean towards Manly too. Uh... <sighs> I just can't go past a potentially fit Tom Tavoyevich. He, he mm-hmm. is, you know, he's a dirty seagull, but he's a phenomenal talent. So I think yeah. that he, between his talents and, like you said, the steady hand of DCE, they will probably be uh, maybe just too good for the Rabbitohs. And then we mm-hmm. move on to the second game in the doubleheader at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, uh, with the Sydney Roosters taking on the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, two very talented teams on paper here as well. Uh, worth noting that there is uh, no Dom Young for the Roosters, unfortunately injured 
on the back of that crusher tackle. Uh, but, yeah, I know the Roosters got talent. I mean, Teddy, Tupo, Manu, Swali'i, Kiri, Lenu, Smith, Collins, Tupanua, uh, Victor the Inflictor, as I love to say on the commentary. <laughs> but I think they enter this game as firm underdogs up against the, yeah. the team that had one and a half hands on the uh, <laughs> on the, the the championship last year before uh, an epic choke and an epic final quarter from Nathan Cleary in equal parts. And I know that they're missing Herbie Farnworth and they're missing Tom Flegler. Both have gone to the Dolphins, but geez, this Broncos team is still got on paper. Walsh, Arthur Staggs, Cobo, Mariner, great back line. Ezra Mam is one of the you know hottest young prospects and halves in the competition alongside Parramatta's own Dylan Brown. Uh, in the forwards, you know, some chump called Payne Haas, Brendan Piakura, who's <laughs> Piakura, who the Eels nearly signed going back a few years, actually. We were, we were linked strongly to him. He's really finding uh, finding his footing in the NRL now, looking like a legit NRL prospect. Uh, Ricky Carrigan on the bench. Fletcher Baker's a nice pickup from the Roosters, actually. And then mm-hmm. Kobe, Kobe Harrington was very good with them last year on the interchange. So they're not even at full strength. Uh, Marty Tapau's on the extended roster. Corey Oates who'd be pretty handy for the Eels right now. He's 18th man. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have that kind of loss in the finals, in the, the final, Clint, it tends, to, it tends to be pretty like a binomial you know, extrapolation. Uh, most teams either break mentally or they become stronger for it and they you know, really hunker down and go hell for leather for the title. Based on what we've seen in the preseason, the Broncos are probably the latter and not the former. Yeah, and I'd be very surprised if they don't come out all guns blazing, ready to make yeah. a statement in this one. Yeah. Um, you know, the, despite the firepower that the Roosters have, and there's some great individual players in that side, there's even some really good individual players in their reserves. I mean, Angus Crichton, Egan Butcher, and Connor Watson didn't make the final 17. Um, you know, that, that may be subject to change come game day, but, um, you know, it, it's it's hard not to go past this Broncos side. There's, there's something... Um, uh, when you go through that lineup, as you did, it, it's a team that complements each other really well. Um, you know, and I look at the one-two punch of um, Hass and um, Carrigan there, and having Reynolds behind that with some um, pretty handy players out the back in in Reese Walsh hitting Tony Stag, Selwyn Cobo, and the like. Um, you know, and there's there's uh, uh, some chump called Mam who only scored a double and was almost instrumental in. You know, speaking of having uh, one and a half fingers, he had one and a half fingers on the Clive Churchill yeah, medal before yeah. Nathan Cleary's last twenty minutes. So yeah, he was uh, outstanding um, for him. Uh, great acceleration, wicked flick pass. He's really gone from strength to strength, and he's going to be you know formidable in that you know battery with Reynolds and Walsh yeah. throughout the playmaking spine there. Yeah, and just the way they play football, they're they're faster than any team in the competition, yeah. even the Panthers. It's it's scary. It's scary how fast they are, you know. And um, I, I know when they play our own Eels, you, you, you kind of just watch it with um, uh, peering through your fingers because the the uh, your hands are over your face. Yeah. But you, you know what's coming, and it's almost like you can't stop At it. At any moment, you know, Reese Walsh could just pull for all gap. So uh, yeah, I think and just that the saying the Broncos over was a rather inspired pick by the NRL. I think they were. A, mm-hmm. a great team to showcase the best of the NRL. Um, well, I mean, likewise, the Roosters. It's a very talented team. They can play some great football. So I'm expecting this. To be, this is deserving of the, the headline of billing for these two games. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you could obviously could have found the Broncos against a couple other teams that were also being worthy too, but the Broncos going over was important. I think they play the sort of yeah. football that you want to sell to the Yanks. 
to very sell, much so sell to the Americans. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I think that this could be. I mean, look, the Roosters absolutely have the capability to win this game or keep it close, but mm-hmm. at the same time, the the Broncos were in great touch in the preseason. They've got a lot to prove after choking away the <clears throat> NRL Premiership last year. And yeah, even with the losses of Farmworth and Flegler, they've made you know a couple of smart pickups in the likes of Baker in particular, who I think is going to be a nice, uh, you know, not a star, but it's just a nice foil to the likes mm-hmm. of Haas and Carrigan. And yeah, the I, it, it is difficult to see. Obviously, I want the Eels to be right up there too. That goes without saying. But right now, Penrith, until proven otherwise, deserve to be you know the favourites. But I mm-hmm. think that it's a real case of 1A, 1B right now between them and the Broncos. And I expect For this sure. to be a statement game, like you said, to try and wash away the pain of the uh, the loss in the grand final last year. Ultimately, um, Forty, what I'd really like to see, regardless of how the results fall, is that it is uh, an exercise that justifies the decision in taking um, two games over there and that there's some good rugby league put on for um, the people who attend and Hopefully, it's a sport that the American public who are being exposed to it for the first time can fall in love with. Yep, agreed. I mean, the, the, at the end of the day, if they're serious about making rugby league happen in America, it needs to start with this weekend and a really strong performance from all four teams. And look, you, you can have actually, in a, in a way, a blowout would be very interesting because we've spoken about this, but culturally, it's so different in America where you don't run up the school. Mm. Uh, and in, in Australia, we know you don't hold back. That means 50, 60, yeah. 70 points. Uh, so I'm just keen to see some good football from the four teams there. Uh, and like I said, I think the Broncos were an inspired pick. And yeah, I, just the, the shakeout, the fallout, however you want to, you know, the positive fallout, however you want to spin it. I'm very keen to see how it happens for this one because a big weekend here, and if there is legitimate interest from the Americans, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a third. Well, I say tier one, but it wouldn't be tier one initially, but potentially a third tier one rugby league competition down the road someday. So it it all happens with the first little steps, and that happens on Sunday. Yep, and and, and, um, I don't think I'm alone in saying can't wait for it. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, Paramount Football scratches the itch better than anything else, but keen to see some legitimate NRL action this Sunday. And yeah, and then that will carry us through to Teamless Tuesday next week where the Eels begin to line up against the Bulldogs, and obviously we'll give you all that coverage when it happens. But until then, uh, we'll begin the sign-off process. As always, a thank you to everyone involved in the podcast. Quint, you did a great job uh, carrying <laughs> my load and that of 60s uh, on um, short notice there. As always, a thank you to the sponsors of the show, Big Swing Golf, North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Rowan and Parramatta. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Look forward to catching you in the next episode. And I can't bring the same energy as 60s, but I'll I'll try. Go United (laughs) Eels.